Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Security Recruiter podcast. I'm joined by Joe Hudson, Director of Growth for TCM Security. How are you doing, Joe? Today's a good day, man. Woke good, up. good, good. Just for everyone listening, me and Joe have had a right carry on, a right laugh with the microphones <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But basically, Joe's got to, I know this is just audio, but I can see Joe and he's basically having to hold the microphone to his mouth like a beatboxer. So we're going to have some fun, buddy, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we may beatbox. We may actually freestyle a little bit today. We'll see. <laughs> so, Joe, I've done you. I've done you a little bit of a of an intro i'm in a little bit of a loud place by the way when you're speaking i might just mute my sound just to make sure it's nice and clear for the listeners but i've done you a mini intro but my first question is just who are you mate what have you been up to career-wise and yeah who are you and how are you Yep. I am Joseph Benton Hudson, the fourth come from a long line of Joseph Benton Hudson's and the producer of the fifth who will turn out to be the greatest Joe Hudson of all. Whoa, congratulations. Uh, oh, absolutely, man. My son is the reason for my existence. And honestly, I would not be in this position talking to you. I wouldn't be in security if it wasn't for my son being born and forcing me out of my previous career of teaching elementary school. I've talked about that many times and I think it's I think it's become very relevant over the years, just as I was in recruiting. I spent eight years in recruiting after getting out of teaching and being able to talk to so many people that were in the exact same spot that I was, doubting that they can make a transition into a whole nother career, mm. a whole nother path. And actually being able to share with people like how hard that was for me has been a great point of conversation for a lot of folks over time and a great way to connect. But I'm currently the director of growth at TCM Security. I realize that's a bit of a undefined title. Really what my focus here is to help us understand our capabilities from a growth perspective with clients, not just on the consulting side that we do, and I'm sure we'll dive more into what we do, uh, but we are a security firm that focuses heavily on providing consulting services, primarily on the pen testing side. I know that's your area of expertise, uh, but we also have a very robust academy that I'm so proud of the the courses that we continue to develop and the people that come through and contribute their time and their really their intellect and their experience to giving it to other people in an affordable way through our academy with our courses and certifications. It's just it's amazing to watch, man. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks, Joe. And um, look, I'm really excited about talking to you because we've got a, an ex recruiter on the show who's now working at TCM. So it's a bit of a mental combination, but it's wicked. <laughs> okay, you can say yeah. ex-recruiter. I think I'll, I'll never really stop being yeah, the recruiter. Been. I even think about that a lot with friends and family. And even today, I've offered three or four times to different people my, mm. my time and services in a way that's really more wearing the recruiting hat than me trying to do sales. But I look at it always just as relationships are the best part of everything we do without them, you're just alone on an island. And I think if you go into it ever worrying about what am I going to get out of this? That's not really a relationship so much as it is a, that's a hidden agenda. And so I like to just be able to help people if I can help them. And then down the line, I've seen it too many times. It, it comes back full circle when you least expect it. Yeah, it does. And let's say a relationship driven business as opposed to a transactional one, it's just I'm sure I may age a bit, Joe, but I'm just too old not to be doing a relationship one because you've got to Same. spend a lot of time at work. I love remote working, but it, inevitably I just find myself working quite a lot. Not because I'm forced to, but I, I quite like it. So if we're going to spend 
loads of time there, loads of time at work. I, th- I just think we've, life's too short, mate. I think we've got to we've got to enjoy it. It's got to be nice relationships. And we, yeah, it's got to be fun. You know what I mean? It's got to be good fun. But um, yeah, there's, there's loads to dig into. Yeah, I, I, we're going to talk about PMPT and no one's told me to plug it. I'm not interested in plugging anyone's stuff for promo. But what I am interested in is people's career development and I'm hearing good things about PMPT. So we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that and we'll talk about how it can help the, the listener's career progression. About two or three minutes ago, Joe, you said transitioning into cybersecurity was an interesting story. I've had comments on videos on LinkedIn I posted this week, like real like like a little bit on the comments, but in the LinkedIn live I did last week, like proper heart-wrenching stuff, mate. I'm working two or three jobs. I've one chap, I think he'd got OSCP and PMPT and he, he didn't have any commercial experience so he was still struggling. And it's like, basically the, the question is, we both know how fierce it is at the June end of the market. You've made a, a great transition successfully. What are your, what's your story and what are your tips that the listeners could learn from when it comes to breaking into the industry? Yeah, that's such a, a topic that I've, I've thought about probably more than anything else in my professional career since getting out of teaching is realizing that there is this big problem. And you realize it when you're on the front lines and you're supposed to be the people that help folks get in. Unfortunately, in the recruiting space, there's not a lot of opportunities where clients are going to call on external recruiters and say, we want to pay you a bunch of money to find us a junior you know, person or someone that's going to break in because they're growing on trees by the boatloads now. And because of how popular this field has gotten, the growth of people wanting to come into this field is greatly outweighing the pace at which companies are figuring out how to effectively hire them. And so what you have is a lot of mouthpieces out there. And you and I, I'm sure some people would look at us and go, oh, that's just another recruiter, another face on a LinkedIn page, just trying to be an expert and whatnot. But we have to stay very dynamic with the advice we give because this landscape changes so much. And I I don't know about you, but over the years, I found myself having to change the advice I was giving and realizing, okay, I know the advice I'm giving is good advice, but it's still not necessarily working for everybody. And so understanding how to to connect with individuals, I could give all the advice in the world and that just may not work for certain people. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm here because of people in my life that looked out for me. And I've realized quite like so firm in my life, like there is nothing more valuable than building a relationship with somebody that over time that that is we we just talked about it but no recruiter no certification no degree none of that is going to be as valuable as knowing someone somewhere that could be looking out for you someone that can vouch for you i've been working with some of our students in our our pcrp program and our pnpt certifications folks that have been going through our camps and the big goal is to letting them know okay we are here to help you beyond the completion of this program to get in the jobs we can't get you a job like I could get you a perfect interview and you could oversleep. You know what I mean? There's nothing I can do to necessarily get you the job, but prepping people and and making the connections, making the introductions, like there are things that we can control, but the candidate themselves has to take ownership of wanting to get in a position to have the magic happen. If you sit and wait, you apply and you sit and you wait, you got a really low percentage of anything just materializing in your favor. You've got to put yourself out there and start to connect with some different people, targeted people or organic connections as part of a community. But my advice on this, man, it has changed. It has changed over the years for sure. Yeah. 
It has, Joe. And, mate, wicked answer. And there's loads I'm, I'm, I'm just going to dive into there. You talked about adding value and massively on the same page. If I talk about recruiters, if you're a recruiter just posting job ads still and that's all you're doing, come on. Like, <laughs> like that's not what LinkedIn... If you want to post the odd one, fine. But it's like, that's LinkedIn isn't, isn't a, a job board. I know it can be used for that sometimes. It's a platform. And I think especially since remote working, it's, it's a platform for us to help each other as a community. And you're right. It's, you were in the recruiting game a while ago. It wasn't, it wasn't always like this. It was a case a lot of relationships were built offline and it has really changed. And, and rightly because there's a lot you can do and look what, look what Heath Adams has done with, with, with you guys. It's this like influencers now in the hacking space. It's, it's, yep. it's wicked. So yeah, I think just moving with the times and, just one thing I just want to mention. Obviously, a lot of this stuff's done on, on, on LinkedIn. I don't know if I don't know if you're doing this, Joe. You, you maybe do with your recruiter background, but I think everyone should be maxing out their connection requests on LinkedIn every week. So you get 30,000 connections, then LinkedIn stops you from having any more. So mm-hmm. as you get high up on there, you have to be have to think a little bit about more about what you're doing when they're coming inbound. But if you, you get 150 connections uh, a week, so you can connect with people. You start sharing stuff, uh, useful, valuable uh, content, thinking about the other person first. Uh, and that ties in with the relationship piece. You said quite nicely, if you've got strong relationships, there's an old saying in recruitment, your network is your net worth. And it's so true. If you've got a strong network, you never need to worry about anything because you can always call on someone for a favor or get a job or get a promotion. So it makes a lot of sense what you say. It's a long-term way of thinking. And it's, yeah. You can't, I've been thinking about this a lot, man, because I think for the last six, seven, eight years, I have really donated my time. There was a recent interaction with a couple of people I know that are both great people. And one of them was actually talking about charging for services. And the other person was like, hey, you should be doing that for free. And both had fair points because it's part of the community there. We all know that there are a lot of folks that are scrapping and they're looking to get advice. And there is a lot of opportunity to capitalize financially in the cybersecurity world. If I go and I charge 150 bucks an hour to give some career advice, I bet some people would sign up because they're desperate. You know, they, they might see, oh, Joe Hudson's got, he works here. He must know what he's talking about. And there are suckers out there for people that are using their profiles, they're using their status to capitalize, make a buck. And then there's a lot of people out there that are giving their time and and energy away for free. I've been doing it for free my entire life and I've been reflecting upon it. Okay. I think now after all these years, it might be time to call in some favors or it might be time to actually say, Hey, let me value my time a little bit better. Let me not just say yes and be a yes man. That doesn't mean that I'm going to charge money to talk to somebody, but it means I might need to be a little bit more selective with formatting the resume of a stranger at two o'clock in the morning just because I'm feeling like being nice. That to me is, it's time to call in some favors, I think. And something that's happened that I've realized is people are not necessarily just going to do it because you did them a solid. Some folks don't care. They're not that grateful. They probably are takers inherently. I got this guy a director job for a non-client of mine. He just said, hey, I'm moving to Charlotte. I'm struggling. I can't find a gig. I just did some homework, found a connection of mine who had an opening, made the introduction, helped set up the interview and literally almost handled the process as though I wasn't a partner and helped prep him, got him all this information behind the scenes, got him the job, and I can't get a dang text back or a call back. When I have to sit there and go, all right, don't take that personally. He didn't ask me for all that. He asked for a little help. I did what I do. And if I'm sitting here expecting that to be reciprocated, I'm going to be let down. So just do it. And then hopefully things work out. But realistically, 
expect to be let down and you won't be let down. Yeah, that's it. And then, and then thanks. By the way, that's the recruiter in you right there. Gee, I mean, you've, you've, just, yeah. you've just described a placement. <laughs> it's a placement. It's a placement. cheap placement. I'll wait for that invoice to come in sometime. But yeah. <laughs> is it, yeah. Do you know what, mate? A lot of it is about like people's mood and it's all about their levels of expectations and what you expect and that dictates your mood and like you mentioned about how popular it's got just when we talked about breaking in i'm just going to jump back a, a pace or two it's it, in my opinion best industry in the world i'm a uk guy i live in the oh, uk yeah. i work in the american market for a reason it's the best in my opinion when you're kicking around in the states it's the best place to be doing cybersecurity in the world um, and it's loads of fun and you get paid for it. Hang on a minute. If, if anyone thinks that's going to be easy, <laughs> or if <laughs> anyone thinks that they've only had that idea, and look, I know it's tough, and I, I want to help at juniors. Because like I said, I can't in my day job. I can't. None of my clients are going, Tom, please can uh, I pay you a fee to find me a junior. And, and that's right. a, a misconception from the community because I'm sure you had it. You get reached out, hit up all the time because people think that you can get them a job as a junior, but, but, but we can't. But let's say what we can do is, give advice, especially if it's in a post form or something like that. And it can be, be really helpful. But yeah, I think managing the expectations is what you've said there and managing your expectations when you're applying for a for a job as well. So I'm just going to ask you something slightly off piece. I, yeah. I, I think, so I had a guy in my LinkedIn Live. He's got no commercial experience. He had PMPT. He had an OSCP. done really well, really switched on guy. And I said to him, like, just go and work. He's got a part-time job. I said, just go and work anywhere for an hour a week two hours a week half a day a week just anything even if it's for free and some people say oh, you shouldn't be doing stuff for free but i just know when you've got any amount of commercial experience that profile instantly changes to employers do you think it's good to do that little bit of work for free or do you think it's a dangerous game to play what do you think oh i think that if you don't have experience man you're sitting around not getting paid anyways and you can be doing something to greatly not just value like the the quality of your resume moving forward, but you actually have some experience you can talk about. And I think that the, everybody out here, for example, has some sort of personal connection uh, to something in their lives that does involve security. For example, I love music, right? I could go to some local organizations that have shows, music shows, they have apps, they have live streams online, whatnot. And I could just be asking all kinds of questions about security and say, hey, listen, man, I'm doing all these courses. I've actually got my OSCP and my PMPT. I know you don't know what those are because you're not in security, but let me educate you on what I can do for you guys. And I'm absolutely happy to, to do this for free. Because I'm looking to get my experience. I'm looking to learn. I'd be able to do this very much by the books. I can give you a good rundown of how and what I'm doing. And then you give you the information. And what's the worst that's going to happen, Thomas? Like they're going to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with that. And you're like, okay, you know what I just did though? I just overcame that initial awkwardness of putting myself out there and just bringing up the topic of doing some security. I got that off the back. Let's see how I feel about that. Actually, that didn't feel that bad. Let me go do that again. I talked to a guy months and months ago, was introduced by his wife, fantastic wife. I love when people are looking out for their spouses and doing it secretly. And then I talked to him and he was a phenomenal guy and he was having a hard time breaking in, but he worked in the sort of the beer distribution and the brewery world. And there's yeah. some very large organizations around him. I was like, look, man, that business inside and out. Walk into all of your customers that you've worked with in the past, inform them about this transition you're making and that you would be willing 
to be their de facto security person for free, doing basic assessments. You could ask some different questions. You've got a formal template that you could be working with, and they already trust you. Imagine putting that on your resume and you've got this big blurb about it. Otherwise, you're sitting around applying for free and not making money anyway. So I think if anybody has too much pride for that's something that you're going to have to crack down and, and get over it. But no, I'm all about getting out there and getting some practice, get some reps. Definitely. And, and listen, it's your friend, free beer, what free better beer. incentive? <laughs> what yeah. better incentive? <laughs> Were you paid? Technically, yes, I was. I did have to pay for the Uber home. But yeah, look, basically, what you've said there, Joe, which is absolutely spot on, it ties back into what you mentioned 10 minutes ago, which is the relationship piece. It's yeah. effectively building relationships, installing trust. Sorry if it's a bit loud, my friend. Oh, you're good. It's building, building relationships, installing trust. You're not all the way there, but you're certainly heading towards halfway there. But yeah, like you say, I think essentially to, to wrap up on the breaking in piece, I think it's managing expectations. It is thinking outside the, the box. It is being proactive, going up to people. It is putting yourself out there. It is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you don't like maybe asking for favours. But my, my thing is, uh, Joe, don't go for the, the, the heavy hitters, the, 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 the big boys and girls. Go for the 20... 20 headcount, 15 headcount, cybersecurity is a consultancy where you can hit with that, the founder up directly on LinkedIn, be personalized, don't use any automation, don't, don't spam it, actually send him a personalized voice note or a video on LinkedIn, which you can do. I'll probably send, have I sent you a video yet on LinkedIn? I, sent yep. you any video. I did, I think you'll stay. Yes. So yeah, you can send videos which are really personable. And if you do that and you repeat that process, I think you'll be fine. But no, thank you, mate. So I'm going to jump into the PMP chat, mate. How can, if I'm listening, I'm a pen tester, how will it benefit my career growth? What will I get out of the certification? How will it, how will it help me, mate? This is a fun topic, honestly, for me. And it's one that I have a hard time figuring out how I like to go about it without sounding like I am overselling or really like diminishing competitors. Because as an organization, you, of course, you want to sell your product, you want your product and you want your services to be the top of the line. But I spent years and years digging on certs and training and asking people for feedback. When I see people on LinkedIn go, hey, I just achieved this great thing. And everybody, 14 comments, congrats. I'm like, tell us about it. Some, inform the people about the quality of that. What was your biggest takeaway? And it's interesting. You'll see people share their congrats to myself or whatever. I just got this and I'll DM them offline and be like, Hey, how's that stack up with such and such? And they'll be like, honestly, this thing sucked. Like I didn't really understand the uh, expectations or the delivery of the course was not that great. It's look, that stuff's important. Or if it was amazing, it's important for people to see, but just cause it's amazing for someone else doesn't mean it's going to be amazing for you. And the way that you learn is not going to be the way somebody else's learn. Uh, learns the way that we teach information here may not be the way that somebody absorbs the information. But the PNPT, man, I spent a good amount of time before I joined TCM asking people about the PNPT and asking them about their experience going through TCM. And I would never tell them that I knew the organization or that I knew Heath or that I had any sort of background with Heath. I just wanted to get the information and the responsibility of a recruiter to be up to date on knowing this stuff. If someone is going to yeah. come to me and ask for advice and they are just grasping for straws, I better care about the quality of my answer and not just give some pawn off regurgitation that I saw somebody else say. You do your digging, man. Like you do a lot of research on this. You talk to a lot of people. I think that has always been our responsibility because it blows my mind how much trust is put into recruiters that have never gone through the experience. Hey, what's the best cert I should get? Oh, you 
I'll give you five that I've never done before. Go do that. But the PNPT, this was begun and created mainly out of frustration at the quality of delivery of other similar or comparable level types of trainings. We would call this more of an intermediate certification. This is not the type of certification, in my opinion, that if you have zero experience that you're going to probably want to come out swinging with. We have the PJPT, which is more the junior, and that's based on Heath's initial free Udemy course, the Practical Ethical Hacker, which really is what put him on the map. And, And that translated so well for people to say, this feels like a real pen test. I'm getting a lot of experience understanding how to exploit Active Directory. My favorite part is the OSINT, the open source intelligence piece, man. He's done these accelerated camps and I've told him multiple times, I made you no money today because <laughs> I sat in this accelerated camp and I just was totally sucked into the OSINT stuff. It's so fun. I love it. I absolutely just love this stuff. And yeah. I'm not a technical guy, but this is where you're getting to feel like hey, I'm doing a real report. I'm getting live report debriefs with the people who are actually creating and delivering on the cert. You're actually getting to work directly with the team. And we offer the PNPT in multiple ways. And another discussion that we're having is the way that we're delivering the content, the amount of time it takes. We're trying to get feedback, but we've been able to give this to where someone, if they want to get it, it's a voucher. And you also, it also comes with the training and you also get a free retake, which I think is a really good thing because The first time around for a lot of these types of assessments and tests, no matter who it comes from, a lot of folks are are not passing. But once you get the hang of it and you're getting a couple hints here and there, you can come back the second time for free and not have to worry about, oh my gosh, I better knock this the first time. But then we also offer the PCRP, which comes along with the career services. So you're getting your PNPT and then you're also getting a lot of assistance on interview prep resume prep, updating your LinkedIn, how to network, how to really build yourself a brand and a profile. And then uh, a couple times now we've done two accelerated camps and these are wild. This is such an, an interesting way to offer a certification and it is absolutely not the right way to go for some people because you have as much time as you want to take the test. If, mm. if you buy the PNPT voucher, you can do it whenever you're ready. That accelerated camp, you're showing up every Friday and you got homework in between. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool cohort, though. I actually was able to do a little presentation at the end of each of these on some of the soft skills, the resumes and the LinkedIn and realizing, you know what, there's a lot that we can still cover. And so what I want to do is actually hopefully have an extended camp between the two and invite anybody else that wants to come on and actually have their stuff looked at. We can do it live, work on it there. But if you just get a cert, and that's it. And we wish you luck. To me, that's just selling that's selling the opportunity short to really help these people mature into the job seekers that they are outside of just having that acronym on their piece of paper. But mate, wicked answer, Joe. Very detailed. Mate, love the cohort piece. Yeah. Learning through osmosis, cool. getting that back into play. That's really good. Can you just expand? You said we offer the PMPT in multiple ways. So for anyone mm-hmm. listening, can you just explain that in a bit more detail for us and how that's beneficial. Yeah. Just going back to the, you can, if you're a great tester and you honestly, for example, let's say you, you've got just the technical skills down pat. And this is a way I look at the PNPT as this is going to be one of the true industry standard certifications out there for penetration testing. This has been, the feedback is way too positive from people. The organization's that are out there that we consider competitors that create certifications. Like I'm always asking people who have gone through 
the OSCP or some of the e-learn security stuff or some of the SANS courses and like our delivery style is just very different. And what I've been told many times is like people that are prepping for the OSCP, the PNPT is a great way to basically get ready for it. And I think even you had posted and, and done some research where that was the big takeaway. And okay, if you want to go for your OSCP, the PNPT is going to absolutely prep you and you're probably over prepped in terms of the delivery style that offensive security gives. But you can just get the voucher with the training. It comes with the videos. Uh, you go at your own pace. You knock it out when you want. The PCRP is a more robust program that you do get the PNPT included, but you go through a lot of the true sort of life experiences and you get to work on your craft as a job seeker, not just, I've got the certification. It's okay, cool. I got it. Now what do I do? How do I sell myself with this? How do I network with this? And I've been doing that as a sales guy. I've actually uh, looked up different people that had the PNPT at other organizations and been like, hey, I just want to talk to you about your experience with the PNPT. And maybe there's a chance that uh, we do some business in the future because of the quality of what we do. But like I've hopped on the calls and 45 minutes later, realized we didn't even talk about the PNPT. We didn't even talk about the PCM security. <laughs> We're just getting to know each other, but my network just got bigger. And now I've got yeah, a new person, yeah, but yeah. also that person that put their trust in TCM security at one point now has an extra resource available. If they get fired tomorrow, they got a Joe Hudson they can call. And that's because they're part of our community. And that's the best part, man. Community. Like it's not just a certification. Like we are so proud when we see people accomplish this because we know it's not that easy. We know that it's not like you can't just show up and get this certification. I would love to be able to go get this. I am much more likely to have another kid <laughs> in the next five minutes than I am to knock this out. But it is something that I think it's for everyone. Our support system is there to always help people get through it. And then, of course, I had mentioned the Accelerated Camp, which is a four-week program. And that's where people, if they want to come in and they really want to jump in and hump in, it's seven, seven to eight hours every Friday for four weeks. There's homework assignments in the middle. We have live chats in our Discord, so there's ongoing questions. You can get support for the homework. And then basically a survey that we're producing at the end to say, hey, tell us about your experience, because that's going to be a work in progress always. Go oh, wicked. And, mate, like you say, I, as a recruiter, I want to know this because mm -hmm. when you're playing a long game and look, we do crazy free replacement guarantees, things like that. And, and also, like I, the, the client relationships I like are, yeah. I don't know if you had spot placement, like we call it, if it's a spot placement, if it's one placement, them, but that's not really fun. The fun that's is fun, when you're yeah. doing, when it's a partnership and you're doing placement, come back next year for placement. So this stuff that you're talking about, it, it, it matters. And yeah, like I say, I want to know if I see certain letters on a resume yes there's still some digging to do don't get me wrong but if we see certain letters i want to know what you're telling me mate you, you remind me like i'm pretty obsessive but you sound like you are as well i like it <laughs> probably a good word it's, I, I i can't even tell you how much time i've just sat around and thought about yeah. what's wrong yeah. with and what you're talking about with the one-time placements, it's, yeah, it feels good to get a deal or be able to offer that. But if you get to help a company build the puzzle and you the puzzle because you've been creating some of the pieces by bringing the people into the pulse, the personality of the organization, the behind the scenes problems they have from leadership. And if the boss's boss is a super micromanager and that boss is really not visible a lot and this person is just not doing well with micromanaging at their current job, it's, hey, it's probably not the right fit. You have to be protective of that yeah. and go, it's okay, man. Yeah, I can get you an interview, but tread lightly and just know that this is what's behind the curtains. And I'm going to tell you yeah. that because 
I'm your person and you're my person and we have a trust here. And if this yes. is not the right job, I'll be here for the next job to throw your hat in the ring. Not everybody thinks that's actually the way most of us would want to operate, but that is truly the most fulfilling part about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. And by the way, it's a lot, it's a lot easier as well. Once you know a company inside out, yeah. culture-wise, what they're like technically, it's easier for the client and it's, it's easier for you. But Joe, I know it's, I wouldn't want to talk about PMPZ loads unless I know it's good, by the way, because yeah. I'm speaking to guys uh, and girls, more guys, gender balance is like an impressive bit. I'm speaking to guys and girls and I, 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 you just get underneath the skin of everything that's going on when you're recruiting so specialized and you're so at it all the time. So I just know from there. And that's why I like doing the posts about, we laugh about my OSCP and PT posts, but I do like to, I do like to just put it out there and just see what the fit, but I, I, I know it anyway. I know it anyway, but cool, mate. Is there any, anything else, Joe on PMPT that could be really helpful for people's listenings? career growth, anything else they should should know about it or anything like that? I would just say, don't ask me. Don't ask somebody at TCM. Ask somebody who's gone through it. And that is a great excuse for you to build your network. You could honestly sit down and say, okay, this week I just want to make 20 new connections on LinkedIn and the only people I'm going to connect with are folks that have gone through the PNPT or whatever certification is that you've got your sights on and connect with them and be a data harvester Get some information, put it all together, especially if you're considering investing money into anything. Don't put a dollar into TCM or the PNPT without doing your homework first. And don't talk to us. I mean, of course, you can hit me up. You can hit anybody up at TCM. But talk to the people <laughs> that have actually gone through it and been like, hey, tell me the scope. Because it's such a great organic way to build your network and build a pipeline of people that you might be able to reach out to in the future. But also, you're getting the real skinny from the people that have walked the walk. Cool. Thank you, mate. So naturally, mate, I did a bit of the LinkedIn stalking on you earlier <laughs> and uh, preparing for this. Career landmines. Security clear landmines was a live event. I think it might have been. I don't know if it was you. Oh, the Cyber Crime Junkies? Uh, yeah, it was a Cyber Crime Junkies podcast I did. Those guys, they talk about all kinds of topics and okay. I've always listened to them. But the landmines thing, I think too well. It's where... It's basically where you have all your ducks in a row. You've got the right candidate. Everybody likes each other. All the all the details check off. The money's good. The location's great. The timing's perfect. And then somebody comes in and is, no, nah, screw you. <laughs> We're not. This is not going down today. I'm going to make sure that this just blows up in your face. And whether or not it's HR, like I had this happen last year when I was still recruiting and everything was great. And then the person had to just do their like some sort of background check or something, but it involved HR with a couple departments and they kept saying, Hey, can't wait to see you when you get here to Florida. And he's, I'm not moving to Florida. This is a remote job. And they're like, huh, I didn't know that. And it happened twice and it spooked him so bad that he was like, is this actually not a remote role and they're going to expect me to move? And I had to do so much damage control. And at the end of the day, his gut had changed so much that I had to say, Hey, listen, man, I support you. If you don't feel good about it, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that based on all the details, I'm 100% confident that you're remote. Everybody on your team is remote. But can I actually promise you that the company is not going to change their tune tomorrow and say, you do need to come on site? I can't promise you that. So if your gut is saying to go away, but it would have never happened if some random people, but they showed that there wasn't fluid communication behind the scenes from everyone to say, hey, by the way, this is a remote candidate. Our team is remote. That was not passed on. So those people, they said it, spooked them, landmine, blew up. For no reason. And yeah. now that company's back at square one. The recruiting team that's working this is probably 
honestly de-invested in working with the client at that point. You've spent a lot of man hours. You've built up someone's excitement. They're probably talking with their wives about the, what am I going to do with the sign-on bonus and this new job and all the time I have. And then all of a sudden you're back at square one and it is such an energy suck for people. It is, mate. It is. I know, I know this. Listen, I love talking about recruitment. We won't, we won't talk about it too much. There's probably a lot of people listening wanting to <laughs> accelerate their cybersecurity careers. We're talking about agencies. But, <laughs> but I find you have to be, and I'm sure you were the same when you were recruiting. Like we, I don't say yes to everything anymore. I really don't. I've actually got a little bit, not in a snobby way, but I've got a little, little bit picky because you partner with the wrong, and it's just more, it's not fair on the candidate. It's not fair on you as a recruiter. It's even not fair on, on them if you just tell them what they want to hear. I know there's lots of good recruiters out there, but I think it's, for me, someone told me, someone that I really admire, in, in, in he said, the first time you'll do well in this business is when you learn to walk away because there's a lot of, yeah, there's some firms out there with just, process is terrible or communication and it's just it just isn't worth it it isn't worth it because there's lots of good companies out there by the way there's lots of great employer brands great processes they genuinely want to partner with you but mate we could probably go for a pint and talk about agency side recruitment for probably like the whole night jack (laughs) yeah like 10 (laughs) just if we're talking about this stuff i think if you had a choice of making two hundred thousand dollars and working with only crappy clients we're making a hundred thousand dollars and only working with great clients. It's not an easy choice. It's not like it's man, the, the cost of your sanity throughout the year of having to deal with the unknowns and deal with like clients that don't respect you. They just think that you're like mm. so it to me it blows my mind. God, this was like the stupidest thing. And I finally just was like, Hey, it's cool. I guess this is not that important to y'all. No problem. Let us know when it becomes important. Because when you're like you get a note and they're like, hey, we'd like to partner with you. We'd like to talk about an agreement, et cetera. You get the dotted line sign and then you go, okay, great. When is the intake call with the manager? And they say, well, actually, we already have the information. Here you go. And you realize you're willing to pay me thirty to $40,000, but you're not willing to put 30 minutes in to sit down and talk about this job that has been open for six months, you absolute baboon. What is wrong with you? That's what I want to say. I want to get on LinkedIn sometimes and tag people and be like, you're a freaking idiot, man. And they, but of course I can't do that. Yeah, you gotta yeah, be professional. Yeah. But that's how I really feel inside where I'm like, yeah. where is the logic here that you guys are willing, you've struggled this long, but you value our partnership that little. You'd yeah. rather just pay a big check and not even invite us mm-hmm. into the whole problem. It blows my mind. I'm getting fired up right now, man. Joe, the thing is for me, right? With, so everything I do is exclusive retained. We've got six jobs in really recently. They're all exclusive retained. Sold two ret- We've actually sold two retainers today. But if a client's committed and when they're retained, they are committed. There's an old saying, if you pay, you listen. And when they're committed, you, listen, I, I promise I'll do 20, I'll do a 20 hour day. If they Absolutely. really need someone quick, I'll do if, if If I have to work all weekend and tell my family, look, I'm out of the game this weekend. I've got two searches on. I've got to fill them dead quick. I need the quality. I will do it. But it's like you said, what you base it on that 100, 200 is, do you want a client that's half committed? You've got a chance of making uh, a fortune or do you want to make half the money? It's a partnership and they're committed. And it's, yeah, it's an easy decision. You you want to work with, with the ones that are, um, are committed. But the, the best clients I've, I've got, you're in the company Slack group with them. And I'm not saying that all companies yeah. will do that, but you're in the Slack group. Like you, you've got the founder's cell phone number. You can pick, you're not going to ring him 
every night because that would be you ringing if you, if you do genuinely need or her if you need something. If you're yeah, getting paid, you're an extension of the company. You essentially are wearing their jersey. You're their mascot. You have to tout them and, and talk people. You got to sell them. Give me something to sell. I want to mm. be able to get off a call with a manager and be like, and go out to, to people and talk to them and say, honestly, I was laughing half this entire conversation. And after talking with him, it sounds like teaching and retention, and he really goes to bat for his people. That seemed to be what really rang true, as opposed to, I looked up his LinkedIn profile. He's been there for three years. Looks like he went to this school. That's not personalizing it. And talking to people about their potential careers, like you call someone that didn't know you existed 10 minutes ago and didn't know a company or a job existed. And then after you get off the conversation, they now are picturing themselves going a whole new route. You want to be armed with as much information as possible and really personalize it and give them the info to say, oh, well, it sounds really great, but here's why that's not a fit for me. But now they trust you as opposed yeah. to if I, they trust you at least as someone that is serious about this, takes this seriously and is in bed with the company as opposed to you're one of seven forgetful names and faces that don't, doesn't really know the job. And it's just tough to trust yeah. To put that in your hands. It is, mate. And I think as well, it's really important. I don't know if any other recruiters listen to this. Maybe they do. But if I always say, it's apart from kids, mum and dad, family, all the rest of it, um, and being healthy, there isn't anything more important than career, than your family and your health. And it's important to remember that as a as a recruiter. It's a, listen, you, you, check, you are, gen sounds a bit cheesy, but you are genuinely changing someone's life. And it, it, it is important to, to remember that. But, but yeah, yeah, no, it's, I think as well, Joe, I'm sure you were the same when you were recruiting, but it's like, we go, we look at why they're leaving. Are they leaving for a 10K pay rise? Okay, we'll leave that person alone because if they're saying yes to me this year for a 10K pay rise, they're probably going to say yes to another year. agency. agency yeah. You know, what they're doing before work, what they're doing after work, what's the skill set like? Are they a cultural fit? Uh, what's their personal brand like? Uh, can that personal brand be leveraged by the client uh, for the client's own client acquisition and, and improve that? We really are. You know, have they been all over the job boards and they've got like loads and loads of other applications on, which means I'm going to get my time wasted. Client's going to get their time wasted. You know, so all these things come into it and then we score it. So I think if you are getting like the commitment from the client, I think it's good. You've got to be a bit obsessed, really. You've got to be, you've got to be on it, and you've got to be willing to really pull it out of the bag when they need you. But it, it, again, mate, it's all about, I think, commitment, partnership. They're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the two big words. But the, the big thing for me, mate, is as soon as I switched to retained exclusive, it just weeds all the time wasters out. Oh, Anyone? I really wish in retrospect that I had done way more of that. So many times where you're just left with the bag and you realize I just put in a month of time. Yeah. And, I've done and it, mate. Had, I've done it. Had, I've had done to it. keep people warm and all of a sudden it falls apart. Hey, by the way, we filled this internally or we've decided to pull the roll and it's, I got nothing out of that. I just invested literally like 20, 30 hours of my life. I got literally nothing out of it. And yeah. to look yourself in the mirror the next day and realize that was your situation and you decided to do that. You decided to take on that risk. That's a humbling moment, man. That's yeah. like a, a gut check of what am I doing here? This is, yeah. let me improve this. Yeah. Do you know what it is though? I think it's hard for, this happened last night. We got an email inquiry for four senior pen testers. Mm. And God's honest truth, the client wouldn't come to the phone. And if this client's listed, <laughs> we put it if this client listed. Anyway, I'll, I'll carry on. He wouldn't come to the phone. And I literally said, um, I, I won't be working the roles. If you need me in the future, you please do reach out. And it's, if you're in a big agency and you've got like KPIs over your head, it's probably really hard 
to do that. So I do get why yeah. it's difficult for some recruiters. That client was probably shot up. You know how much four senior PTs they were fully remote. Yeah. <laughs> you know how much money that was to me. But no, if I, if they weren't if they weren't on the phone to me, I'm. It feels good though. It feels good it, to get to that point where you're that. Yeah, like, you know what? I think you need to have a client base already. You probably need to know that you're in it for the long run. You probably need to. You probably need to know you're pretty good. Do you know what I mean? It is hard. It, oh yeah. I don't find it hard anymore, but I probably would have found it hard in my first year. Like I'd have been anything like, early on. I'd be like, you a chalkboard <laughs> eraser? Great. I can do that for you because I just need to figure out a way to make some money right now. Yeah. But yeah. no, it's unfortunately, I think the recruitment, most of the agencies that you would see, they promote a very quick transactional process driven by metrics that are actually arbitrary. Who yeah. came up with go make 50 calls today? Why 50? Like a lot of the times there's really, there is a proven success rate deemed that's their success. But I remember I used to see my numbers posted all the time. And I'd be like, guys, that's not actually how I measure my success. Not numbers, not metrics and things like that. Not how much revenue am I generating? That's not how I deem my success. That is obviously how a company needs to think. And so I think it promotes bad behavior for otherwise probably well-intentioned recruiters that would like to build relationships, but they are getting like evil eyes from their manager. Get off the phone, call yeah. your next call. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, mate. I don't know about you, Joe. I moved too quick. Bar my bar, maybe like a few. I moved too quick for pretty much every client I've got. I don't know if you're the same. Like, I've never oh, you had a person like that. Yeah, yeah, really quick. Like, I, I do generally. I, I don't know. If too, maybe not too quick, but it's sometimes it is too quick because I'm like having to keep the lines of communication open with candidates in process to just let them know that the, the client hasn't come back yet. They're putting a fire out or whatever. It's not no one's fault, but yeah. But I think. When you are super specialized, you, you can just smoke everyone because just if it's in your sweet spot, you just, it is almost a case of just grabbing the phone and going, all right, I've got something. Yeah, like the black book comes like that. that so it's a little bit of an unfair advantage. But, but yeah, mate, we've got to stop talking about recruitment, Joe. Like, the, the- <laughs> no, this is, no, this is what, I mean, this is the cloud. Real quick to go off of what you just said, I, because yeah. that scenario happened a lot. And one thing I started was to appreciate that opportunity because twofold, one, there were often times where I would submit a candidate, one interview, maybe two, but like we're talking an hour tops between conversations. They're like, we want to move forward and everybody's all excited. And then that's when the nerves kick in and you're like, Oh, I don't know if this, have you guys vetted each other enough? Have you really done the digging? Because as much as you want to close the deal, you do not want to get a call in six months from either party saying, this is not working out. This is not what I thought, or Hey, we're going another direction. Like you just don't want that. It's not worth it. So sometimes I liked that it would be a little slower, but also if it's a new candidate, it gives you such a great opportunity to build a rapport and or see red flags where you can call your client and say, hey, listen, I know it's been about three weeks. I was very high on this person. I've gotten to know them a bit more. And honestly, they've got a lot of irons in the fire. And I think they are. I I see risk here. And so I'm just putting that on your map or maybe I'm pulling the candidate. And that gives you a chance to build trust and rapport with the client too. So I actually used to like it. Sometimes when I had to keep them warm for a long period of time. Yeah, build the relationship. Yeah, no, it's true, mate. Do you know what it is, Joe, as well? Just doing stuff like what you said there about just being really transparent and stuff like that. It's the opposite to what I know some, if we call recruitment a sales job, it's opposite to what some people do. Like I I had a client today who's just re-engaged us. We were really busy, really busy with them last year. They've re-engaged us today. And he said, uh, oh, I take it your rates have gone up this year on last year. Just, yes. and, I, and I was like, huh. no, no, they haven't. <laughs> I know that I could have charged more, but I was like, mate, they, they haven't. I said, we all need some commitment though. And you know, we call it the commitment thing. 
the first bit of the fee up front to engage us. I said, as long as you're committed, then I'm not interested in trying to squeeze an extra four, Molly? five, six, seven. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But do you know what? It's, that does come back because then they know that you're not just you're not just trying to squeeze them. It's like what you said earlier. Like, don't ask P- Don't ask TCM. Don't ask TCM what we're like. <laughs> Go and ask everyone else. So, Joe, I saw... I love talking about hacking ADs. I was talking to someone about Bloodhound and the way that it, it's really noisy, but it's wicked in the post about it. But I saw something in your profile about, I think it was Heath Adams that Heath did it. Hacking ADs, I think it was a live, live yeah, it was event. Last, yeah. or it was the 18th, so about 10 days ago, I believe. Okay, the question is, Sorry. yeah, the question is, for anyone that didn't see that, what can they learn from that you could tell us about now? I, I think that it's such a bread and butter skill set for the hacking world that is always all, vulnerable, aren't they? Sorry, they're yeah, always vulnerable. No, but it is. And it's such a it's such a non sexy thing that I think a lot of people have not really focused on. I know that was not to throw dirt on anybody, but I know that was not part initially uh, a big focus of one of the measuring stick certifications out there. And then it did become <laughs> that. And actually I love seeing that. I love seeing when I love seeing when other certifications and trainings get better because they've seen another competitor do something like that. It benefits everybody. But that live day, I was very unplugged. That was the day after my birthday and I had like 10 people in town and I was extremely sober all day that I was checking the Slack channels and I was checking the live updates, the dialogue between my team. And they were just really commending the delivery style of one of my teammates that came in and joined Heath. His name is Brad. And he really, he, he eats that stuff up too. But that might be the perfect way that somebody can join and, and learn content that they're going to be able to apply. And that's such a building block <laughs> delivery. And it, what we're doing at TCM, like this is the type of organization that might have an idea before you and I get off the call here today. And then it's posted on LinkedIn that we're going to do it. And then we start kicking it in, into action next week. And then it's, it's scheduled, right? That's the way that we operate and we try things and we want to see how people enjoy it. And then if it goes really well, great, we're going to do it again, but we're not going to do it just to try to keep making a buck because it has to be valuable. It has to really resonate with folks. We have to make sure that we are on our P's and Q's and how we deliver it and the preparation Mm -hmm. and the behind the scenes prep that Heath and the rest of our testing team takes when we do live streams, camps, et cetera. Like it is a, it's an obsession with how much like the strive for perfection on this is it's maybe unhealthy, but it's amazing to watch because I always knew that there was a lot of care. I always knew that there was a lot of like detail oriented input and discussions about how we deliver these things. It's definitely closer to obsessing over making it perfect. And that's pretty, anybody that signs up for any kind of camp that we have, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't advise it for everybody. It might not be the way that you learn. It might be too fast paced. You also, by signing up for anything with us, you immediately become part of a a smaller community within the bigger community. You have other resources and people that you can lean on. And that's the best part, man. Like Mm. the community of people is the engine for TCM. It's a, such a unique group of people and in a growing group of people, but that's my favorite part of TCM. Yeah, it, I love my teammates, but it's just yeah, the, you, and it's, the nice, community. It's, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear you talk, talk like that. Joe, just, I should know this, but I don't. So I'll just ask you what, what, what headcount are you at? for the, uh, how many people do we have working here? Mm. Oh, I think we're at 17. We did just hire somebody. So I'll have to go back through the numbers, but I, like, I was away last week for a uh, conference and I came back and found yeah, out we hired yeah. two new people. So yeah, what, yeah, 17, 18. Know, what I was going to ask, right, is for any fellow 
business owners listening or for anyone who's senior in the game thinking about going out on their own mm -hmm. do you have any maybe you don't maybe you, this is something that you'll be thinking about pretty soon but have you got anything for as you scale in my experience from dealing with lots of different companies things can get watered down is there anything anything that you're going to put in place or have you got any ideas to how it sounds listen it sounds at the minute like it's mega when it gets bigger have you got any ideas for how that meganess if that's a word will be retained uh, the culture will be well, retained basically i think that the most important part that's a great question man and i've never been a, a business owner myself i actually toyed with the idea a few times i had a couple folks say, Hey, I want to invest in you when you go into business for yourself. I'm like, I'm going into business for myself. Let me think about that. And I, I don't think I have the discipline to not work 70, 80, 90 hours a week. If my name and everything is on the line, I love working as part of a small team. That's what I've realized about my life and my career. You get to be very intimate with your teammates and get to, to really know everybody. And if you're going to plan to scale, understanding the goals and what's important to the people that make up the original crew of your group. And if they want to stay part of that growth, making sure that they understand their place in the future and what is your path. I think that that has to be addressed more so than anything, because once you start to lose the core members of your personality of your company, you do start to lose the personality and it creates vacancies where other people come in with their ways and maybe their ways are better, maybe their ways are good, but you still want to retain what made you special in the first place. And that starts with the individuals who are there. They have a voice and they feel heard and they have a path that they can commit to and stick around. To me, that's maybe the most important part. May you think, right? You think next five hires you make, if you've got, they're a big chunk of your culture. Oh, yeah. If it's one of you and you hire one more person, that's 50% of your culture. Yeah, it's like when you. I think when you're smaller, I think when you're smaller, it's almost more. I say it's almost more important. It's just it's. Uh, I'm sure like those two eyes that come on have been vetted and and this that and the other. But yeah, it, it is vital because it only takes one, one, two, three bad hires when you've got twenty staff can. That could be a big headache. <laughs> well, especially if it's a leader. If you hire a leader yeah, that yeah, just yeah, turns definitely. out to be a real wild card and just operates recklessly and or is very demanding or is very micromanaging, it can change the way somebody wakes up in the morning. And that that's a poisonous thing that can trickle and it can start to fester. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't like my job. I don't mm -hmm. like working here. And then it becomes about you. Whereas when mm -hmm. things are going really well, you feel committed to the bigger picture mm -hmm. of the company. You you love to be a part of the engine of the company. Whereas if it's not going well, it's really about you. Mm -hmm. And it can be such a disruptive thing, man. I think it's important to really, to vet. I think it's just very important to, to take some time and make sure everybody that's going to be involved and or directly impacted is has got a voice and at least can contribute. Yes, yeah. Yes. I tell you, I tell you who you should talk to, and I can I can do the intro if you want. So Andrew from is one of the founders at Breakpoint Labs. They've just got an anniversary today. I think it's 2008 they were established. Oh, and 15 they, years, no kidding. Yeah, and they've got 100% retention rate. Um, so their retention rates are just obviously just 100%. Um, it's unreal. So, yeah, it's mental. And Andrew, he's been on the party, dig deep into – I tried to get under the bonnet as to how he's done that. So we, we he, he talked about that. But, yeah, he would maybe be – it may be good for you, Andrew. Maybe him and Heath know each other. I don't actually know, but – yeah, I'm just looking here. So yeah, they started eight years ago, and they've got 48. They they've got 48 on the team. 
There's probably stuff that he's had to deal with over the last three, four years that probably you guys at TCM are just about to deal with. So it might be, that might be, listen, just let me know. Love it. But, oh, yeah. man, it's always, I think, but talked about, I always kind of wear the recruiting hat, but wearing a recruiting hat just simply means you're always collecting information and you're always meeting people. What you do with it after that is, is how you make your money. But your first job is to get information, meet people. And as a new sales guy, a dedicated sales guy, I call competitors that I know that are friends that are in my position. And I had a chat just the other day with a guy that I've, I, I have a lot of appreciation for, and he works at Bishop Fox and he and I've been texting. I was asking him questions as I try to develop a new plan. And he's giving me information because he's in my shoes in their mm -hmm. place. And, mm -hmm. and I, I like talking to people, getting perspective and just being a sponge man, because it only takes one conversation sometimes and one light bulb to be like yeah, it does. a complete rerouter for how you do things. Yeah, it does. It does. I can say this now because me and Caitlin, Caitlin from Bishop Fox, she's the recruitment mm -hmm. manager there. We've been just waiting, just companies talking to each other about doing a monthly show for hiring, resume format, cool. just everything. So that basically, we're, we're going to be doing something. I think it's going to be every month, just maybe like a LinkedIn Live every month, just Q&As, just helping people out that are struggling and stuff like that. But yeah, no, that's, yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Mate, communication, that is something you do not struggle with. <laughs> <laughs> communication skills, mate, they're, they're, they're good. I know we've spoken about them before. If, I, if I'm listening and I'm thinking, I want to get better at uh, piecing together an exec summary in a written format. I want to be able to... I want to be able to, I'm doing like web app and mobile pen tests, but I want to jump on scoping calls. I want to deal with end clients. I know that my communication skills, if they're good, I know that's one of the keys to progressing within cybersecurity or offensive security or whatever it is. How do I improve my offensive communication skills? How do I improve them? Oh, great question as well. I think there's obviously a lot of resources out there that depending on how you like to learn, you can soak these things up, but asking, you've got to be willing to ask and you'll learn a lot about people in your circle or if they're not in your circle based on their responses. I've been going to a meetup for a few years, actually haven't been very recently, but the biggest focus of that meetup, and it was all local pen testers and or want to be pen testers in the Charlotte area called the QC Skitties, just a great group. And actually run by a competitor that we have tremendous friendships with and appreciation yeah. for. And I've actually recommended them in client meetings. But the big focus is always on communication. And some of the exercises that these guys opened up, they didn't force anybody to do anything. But we had people from all walks of life that when you sit there and you talk to them, you're like, have you ever spoken in your life? I don't know. Because this seems so awkward and this seems so uncomfortable. But they're there. You know what I mean? And not having a judgmental stage where it's like, hey, totally. The fact that you put yourself here, man, that's enough for today. You're here today. Yep. Yep. Don't worry about conquering your communication because sometimes it is very scary, especially if you've really been inside for a couple of years with the pandemic and whatnot, just secluded from people, yeah. not getting the practice yeah. reps. If you're not employed in a way that you're working through cameras and you're not used to working through a camera on a computer screen, if you don't like going to see people, these are all okay. Give yourself some grace. Yes. But if you're sitting around and not trying to improve through watching video content, through not throwing yourself into even, there are some courses that focus just on that reporting, for example. There's some free courses out there that you can go get on how to write an, an effective pen testing report mm -hmm. for an intended audience. You can use chat GPT these days, and then you can share that and go, you can tweak it and then share it with someone mm -hmm. else and go, Hey, does this look good? 
I want to be able to include this as a document of a sample report that I would write with my resume and it's going to be the third page of my resume. And have you ever seen a resume where the third page was a sample executive report that person wrote? I haven't seen it, but if I saw it, I'd be like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, All right. That's yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, nah, I just think that it's everybody's different, man, but you got to be graceful with yourself and be patient with yourself to not just be this amazing communicator. And you say, I have good communication skills. I bet you put me in a room with certain people. I'm going to annoy the hell out of some of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Joe, just a quick one. Have you used Claude yet? It's so like a bet. It basically, it's like way better than chat GPT. No, I haven't used that. Why is yeah, it better? Yeah, it's, 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 it's just... I've used it for different. What I find is if you're using it, you have to, like, if you're asking it to write something or something, you have to read it after, check it, put your own touch on it, personalize it a bit. But you just run different things through ChatGPT and Claude and let me know what you think. I think it's way, way better. They're either pre IPO or they've taken, but I think that company's going to be worth a lot of money. So, yeah. And just going back to the communication, yeah, for me, the, the old saying is you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable if you're like doing malware analysis or reverse engineering like you're in the weeds like you're, you're on it and if you want to be the best of the best at that you're probably not doing like what what we're doing and talking to people all day and this that and the other so i think you've got to like I say, essentially you've got to exercise that muscle and yeah what you said as well is essentially like baby steps like you've got to maybe not be too harsh on yourself if you have been working remotely really low level guy or girl the chance you're not going to be a great communicator you're going to have to you're going to have to exercise that muscle if i reverse engineered some malware now that same person would probably laugh at me but you never you get good at something when you do it a lot so it's like you say it's just pushing yourself and it's just such an important thing even on the podcast a different benefit for me of doing this pod is i've just learned so much and i've always known communication is important it's one of it's part of what we do as recruiters mate it? We, we check what people are really like out yep. under the skin of the resume but that communication piece is, is big that, and this is another reason why i'm not worried about ai as much as what some people are because there becomes a point where a human wants to talk to a human and, it's, and i've heard that i've heard that saying on different podcasts about ai and stuff like that and i just think that communication piece there's so much noise online and this and that and ai and i think it's making that communication piece even more important like people want a, a real conversation but essentially what we're saying is it's use re learning resources online and, and exercise that muscle mate isn't it really you can find other people that are in the exact same boat as you, you mm. can literally create you're going to go on linkedin or go in discord and be like hey i'm mm. going to create a group where it's people just like me who are uncomfortable giving presentations to a board and we're going to find one person who's an executive who's willing to volunteer their time and sit in as an audience we're going to do it once a month we're all uncomfortable you could call it lunch and it's the league of uncomfortable networking cyber hackers whatever and you meet once a month to give a presentation through a video with a report that you've created and you have each other who are all in the same boat uncomfortable to give each other feedback learn from each other is there a rule out there that says you can't just try to do that like that? Mm. And but the bottom line, that's going to be super valuable for somebody. But that is, you could be like, if you're a recruiter, honestly, Thomas, you when you call talk to people, you can probably get off the phone and be like, I'm guaranteed the only human being they're talking to all day. Yeah. And yeah. so it, people need practice, they need reps, they need the opportunity to be mm. in the shoes. And imagine putting that on your resume if you have no experience. You like organized a monthly meeting where we invited an executive, and we all practice reporting. Mm. That's a cool thing to do. But it, like, is, it, the rules. it is. It is. I really like that because that's simultaneously 
doing three things. It's facilitating your communication skills improving. Yep. It's helping the com- your community out. And it's, and it's building your own personal brand and making your resume 3D. So it's like serving three wicked purposes there that are genuinely helping everyone. Yeah. Yeah, what did we call it? What did I say? What did lunch or something? I'm, I'm gonna have to listen to the recording and figure out what I said about that. But like, <laughs> but like those are these types of ideas. But like, I've seen it with certain people out here, man. Like they're breaking in. There's this guy Jesse that I, I've talked to, and he's literally just came in to the field like months and months ago, like this year, no experience whatsoever, and he just started creating his own path to networking. He created a security plus training and study group online that okay. people join, and he's I don't have the security plus. I'm going for it. I'm studying for it. Who wants to join me? You know what I mean? Like he just made it and then other people join in and now it's got like its own logo and other people are going to join this thing in the future. There was no rules. He just showed up yeah. and said, screw it. Everybody's yeah. got this. This personal brand thing's massive. I think I, I always say this and I unapologetically say it again. I think since remote working and stuff, this community thing's got to be pushed harder and harder because yeah. we've got to keep that learning to osmosis going. It's not like the old days where everyone's in the office. You know, imagine when you first started recruitment, Jay, you sat next to someone that's billing, billing well, doing well, doing deals, yeah. as, as they say, and all the rest of it. You, know, you learn so much from being in that environment and this, that, and the other. And I think the only thing we can do to maintain and sustain remote working properly if the career progression, especially at the junior end, is going to stay, is if we really do stuff like what we're doing now, the podcast, and really push that community stuff mate you're you're wicked on linkedin mate you're super active like your engagement levels are good and can you tell us about that journey can you tell us <laughs> if i'm starting now not post i can tell you a couple of things but i'll tell you a couple of stories in a second but yeah what's it been like i'm gonna ask a stupid question have you always got that level of engagement I know what your answer is going to be but how do i get posting how do i start like joe's got this personal brand he's fucking getting loads of engagement like how do i do that how do i get there if I'm I definitely am no scientist behind LinkedIn and I've never really made it a focus to have, like, I find it interesting that there's a lot of posts that you can put up and an algorithm is what pushes it. And it could be a useless post. It could be just a meme or something that's like really not contributing. And then you could have this light bulb moment where you're putting out great feedback and thoughts and then it, it generates no buzz. Yeah. Honestly, I, I never really think about that. I never, I've never worried about that. If you ask me how many, like, connections or followers I have right now, I'd give you probably a ballpark, but I don't know. I I don't keep like a running tab on that. And I don't really even like my notifications on LinkedIn. I don't have notifications letting me know if someone has liked or commented my post. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. It's actually completely off. I have to go find my post if if I want to see if there's any engagement. And sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, crap, I forgot about that post. I got 25 comments. (laughs) I actually asked people to include information my posts, I I want people to get a dose of who Joe Hudson is through my posts, not just this regurgitating machine of copy paste. I am always trying to share other people's things. I'm always trying to introduce my network to people that I know that I want them to know. I'm always sharing content that I think it, it either is valuable for folks to know or it pisses me off. <laughs> like yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really frustrated <laughs> with something. I was like, I'm so sick of this, but like, that's just who I am. I don't worry about the engagement on that. I just know that from a LinkedIn perspective, we have a responsibility every time that we type some words and hit click post on that to to try to be valuable and be positive and not be a negative force on on LinkedIn or be someone that you're not. And yeah. I think there's been times where I've had this complex of like, do people 
think I'm trying to be an influencer. And I realized I don't, I don't, why do I even think like that? Like, I don't really care at this point, but I also have recognized since joining TCM, the power of numbers and the power of followers and the influence that you can have. And that does create more responsibility to be, yeah. to be valuable and be thoughtful in, in what you're putting out there because it, once it's out there, man, it's there forever. I would just say that if you're trying to build a brand, I'm definitely not the guy to talk to about branding, but first and foremost, be yourself so that you don't have to worry about being anything once you do get to a brand size that you're happy about. You know? You've got to be yourself, mate, because like I say, if you if I was really like talking about this and that on LinkedIn and came on here and you couldn't get a word out of me, you'd, you'd probably be a little bit disappointed, but you'd be <laughs> like, yeah, it's... Yeah, you can only fake stuff for so long. I was talking to you, you Tyler, don't you, from Rhino Labs, and I was talking to him mm -hmm. about it, and we, we were basically saying, you've actually got to care. You've actually got to be passionate because posting all the time for ages consistently, like, it's pretty it's hard. Work. Yeah, it's hard work. Anyone could do it for six months. Um, anyone could do it for probably a year. But if you genuinely want to do it, uh, you've actually got to give a shit about people's careers and people's development and stuff like that. So... I think that's the thing is, yeah, probably be real. If you don't really care, don't bother. <laughs> if you do, I think it'll work and, and stick with it. And it's, again, it's a long-term play. It's a long-term, don't think about yourself, think about others. And, and I think just if you want to do it and you genuinely want to help, I think the key is just to start. By the way, when I used to post you, I used to get the odd, I don't really get it anymore. But when I used to get the odd like, little neggy comment and I used to like, oh, yeah. I used to post and I used to be like, shit, God, I put, I, no one says nothing bad about me. And I used to, <laughs> gen honestly, man, I used to be really bad. And yeah, I used to be like, me, yeah, yeah, I used to look at it. And, and now, obviously, you post it, you just crack on with you, you crack on with your day. Look, hand on heart, I do check it. I do like to have a little, as good as you with my notifications turned off. But <laughs> It's not really even just about the posting. I think that the, the magic is not even in your own post. It's how you engage with other people on their content. If you're building your brand, you're not going to do it by posting. Posting. You're going to do it by commenting and networking first, building your connections up. And then once you start posting, you're going to have more people that are connecting with you. But I really see a lot of the magic happening of comments over the years and just the feedback. Because you could tell a lot about a person with how they respond to someone. Yep. You could tell about their political views or how they feel about a tool <laughs> or if they think you're a tool. There's all kinds of things that you can tell. So it's be mindful of it and be active, but don't do it if you don't enjoy it. There's definitely a world of success out there without LinkedIn, but I promise you in this day and world age, especially in the cyber world, LinkedIn is an enabler. It's a tool. Mate, sure. it's, it, it's great. And it's, mate, I can't believe we've been chatting for nearly an hour and 15 minutes. Whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it's good. How do we not have the pint? <laughs> yeah. um, no, mate, it's massive. And do you know what? They do so much to maintain the integrity of the platform yep. as well. And yeah, it's, let's say, if you're not on it, I know you are, mate. If people that aren't on it, it you are missing a trick. And it's good. Like you tap into your sense of purpose. I've had days where I haven't actually done, like I've gone and done a LinkedIn live or something like you come off it buzzing, mate, don't you? It feels great. Like it feels like, yeah, I feel, this isn't so bad, yeah, like this, but you know, on a LinkedIn live, I get a bit nervous. But after I feel great. It's, I mean, when you're live, man, it's... <laughs> yeah. I've done, I've done live but, music shows before and I've done rehearsals and, and rehearsals are really fun and relaxed. And then you get on stage and you're like, okay, uh, don't forget the word the in this part of the song because the whole verse is screwed up. If you forget the word the at this one part. Mate, I'm doing what? I'm doing a LinkedIn live in an hour and a half with uh, Justin from Trusted Sec. And uh, nice. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. But uh, mate, it, it, I, I will be nervous. I will be nervous. <laughs> will be <laughs> um so when people are applying at, at tcm mate what um 
where do they go wrong? And if I'm a pen tester listening, what, 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 what are you looking out for? What sort of stuff do you want to see flying, applying to your, or approaching you, or however they apply? What, what, what's the ideal profile and do's and don'ts if I'm listening? How, what can you teach me? That's a great question. I hadn't actually thought about that before, but it, I think it's an easy answer. We're not hiring anybody we don't know. We don't, we're not hiring anybody that we don't already know. I, I already can tell you that. There, there has to be some connection to our company. We have a very unique community, obviously, that's been building up over the years. And it's, it's a unique group because it's not like we're dealing with all of the cyber pros across all the world. Like, we're, this is Hacker City for the most part. Like, this is what most of the community is. And we get emails all the time. I, I chuckle at them all the time because, hey, I'm applying for the position that you guys don't have posted that you don't need, but here's my credentials and everything. And I'm, I want to respond and be like, A, we're not hiring. B, kudos to you for just taking a shot. Like, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> well, is, that, is that literally what they put? Just, just messing yeah. around. They're like, hey, I'm applying for the full stack developer role. Like, we, we don't have that, man. But cool. But I think get to know our, our folks before you worry about a job because TCM is going to be the type of organization to me that A is probably never hiring and B is always hiring. You know what I mean? Like we're, yeah. we may not have a formal job posting, but if someone is going to be a good fit based on our growth, or we just see that being a great cultural fit, or they can add as a dual threat type of person, it's always on the table, but that's not happening unless there's a good relationship built. Because what you said, man, like the culture when you're this small, you really have to focus on retaining that before you do anything. I'd rather okay. us make less money and yeah. be a smaller business. And I make garbage commission if we retain the culture because the people here are kind people. They are mm -hmm. kind, good hearted people that like when I get asked to, for example, to do podcasts, like one of my first thought now is I would rather listen to someone else from my team talk. I would, I, I can think of my teammate, Ange, like Ange, I was telling about my to my best friend and saying, Hey man, I want you to meet my teammate. Ange." he said, why? And I'm like, cause she is just like a philosopher, man. Like she just, I could listen to her talk all day. And I know that just anybody talking to her is going to value and come away from it and go, I envy that person's sort of appreciation for life and the appreciation mm -hmm. for their journey. Like I'm going on a tangent here, but that's how I get when I talk about my teammates. I'm not, I don't want to hire anybody that we don't, already feel like we have a trust that is going to mm. fit into that so mm. that'd be my advice super long one yeah no, 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 it's good mate and um i don't know if you've ever heard the expression golden thread keeping a golden thread through the organization yeah. and maintaining the, the culture but yeah, that's a good that's a good strategy cool book podcast that's had the biggest positive effect on your career so far mate i always ask this question oh. i love it book <laughs> All right, I got a weird curveball answer for you. The five love languages. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's a book meant for marriage and relationships. Okay. And the reason that book has been so instrumental to me is because it has taught me that just because you do things really well and you're kind and you have it great intentions and love in your heart when you do it, it doesn't mean that clicks for the other person is meaningful or valuable. So that it obviously doesn't apply in the same way. I just think it's important <laughs> to step back and realize like everybody values things differently. And yeah. that book, I've always referred back to it in my head, even though it has nothing to do with cybersecurity. Like I can list a couple of books for cybersecurity. There's one by Sunil Yu called the Cyber Defense Matrix. And that thing has all kinds of very complex explanations 
over a very unique topic, but like it doesn't apply to everybody in the workforce. And you're a person first before you're a professional. You're a human being with emotions and you're tired or you have kids or you have stress or you have things to look forward to. These are all the things that are actually taking up most of our brain mm. most of the weeks. And being able to understand where someone is in their life and being able to connect with them and bring value to them in the ways that matter to them or the ways that carry their weight, I'm going to talk to my teammates differently. I'm going to give different responses to my teammates. I might ask for something in a different way with different words because I know that an exclamation point matters to this person and it might actually annoy this other person. Yeah, like, yeah. So I would say the five love languages, it's a super random answer, but that no, has no, been no. instrumental, man. Who's it by, mate? No, I can't even remember, to be okay, honest. We'll, like, find, we'll find it. For, for anyone listening, I was an English major in college, and I read one <laughs> book cover to cover. It was Don Quixote. Hey, we'll find it, and we'll, and we'll post it in the show notes. Joe, what I love, mate, about loads of stuff you've said, you've, you've mentioned the word relationships so much, and it's just if you're in – I think we all need to remember, if we're in the cybersecurity business, especially in the consulting space, yeah. you're in a people relationship-driven, just like recruitment, you're in a relationship-driven business. When you see a recruitment company sell, and some of them sell for a fortune, that private equity firm or that investor is buying, essentially, a group of people, yeah, but they're buying a set of relationships. Relationships, are, they are everything. They are absolutely yeah. everything. Long-term approach, relationships, and a load of hard work thrown in. Yeah, but I just I just wanted to bring that up for the listeners because that word's been mentioned a lot in this episode, and I think people need to realize it, mate. So, all good. Right, mate, I, I say this a lot. And, mate, normally I overrun it. I know not by this much, so I've kept you a lot. <laughs> so thank you because I know you're busy. Oh, thank you, man. It's been great. <laughs> no, it's good it's been therapy good. for the soul right here. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So, I'm going to make this the last one. So, in fact, no, I'm going to ask you two more. So, mentors how do i get a mentor oh mentor i think a mentor is probably one of the most important things that you can have in life period when it doesn't have to be just on your job i think it's very hard to find it and so if you're sitting there without a mentor don't be kicking yourself like why don't i have a mentor i've gone through life and my profession with doses of mentoring um and and i would say people that have served in a mentoring capacity in different ways but not as that's my mentor. That's my person. My father, I'm lucky enough to still have him and I can go to him for a lot of questions and answers, but he can't give me any advice on how to navigate corporate America because he was a 45 year carpenter that lived in the middle of the woods. You know what I'm saying? And so I have different mentors for different things. And that's what I've realized that as of right now, I need to accept if I have a bad day and I, I want to just talk through it, I'm going to my best friend. If I honestly just need to forget about everything, my son might be my mentor. I can't tell you how many times my son has, he's nine years old. He said things to me that are so clear as day for him. And it's like, how have I not seen it that way? He's like, hey, if you just go to bed earlier, you'll probably feel better in the morning and then you'll have more energy and then you won't have to work so long in the day because you're tired. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But the thing is, I think if you don't feel like you have a mentor, don't freak out or anything like that. But you're going to start to build a, a rapport with people over time that you may end up being their mentor in a way. And that is uh, a fulfilling bucket. But, oh, man, I think having a mentor or at least doses of mentors in other places is so critical for people's growth. Yeah. Yeah, I do, mate. And I've mentioned this on another, another pod. And I think there's different versions of, of mentors these days. You know, some, something might you might be following someone's YouTube channel 
and they essentially are your virtual mentor. You might not have even met them before. That can be your mentor. You might have had some interaction in DMs or comments or whatever, but with the way things are going, you can have multiple mentors across multiple platforms. All in a a virtual sense. That's a great point. Honestly, I didn't really thought about that way though, but just the connecting with people through the the videos and whatnot, like I've gotten on a lot of scoping calls since joining TCM where the people that I'm talking to had, they were big fans of TCM because they had followed Heath for years and basically accredit their success to getting a job and being able Uh, to navigate their careers due to Heath. And they'd never even met him before. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that way, but that's such a great point, man. That yeah, great yeah. Point. Do you go on scoping calls, too, Joe? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, it's my life. As soon as you know, I get yeah. off here. I got a scoping call in twenty three minutes. I got another one. Okay. Actually, <laughs> I like the curveballs that I'm getting in these calls. I had yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I had somebody ask me the other day, "Have your testers ever been proven wrong?" <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I said, "Listen, I haven't personally seen it, but the answer is assuredly yes. That's human nature. Like it's okay, mm. but." No, I think I think the scope of calls, man, they're yeah, funny. Yeah, man. I can, listen, I can see why, mate. You can see. I bet you. I, bet, I can imagine you. I'll turn my hat it. back around for. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For everyone listening, Joe's got his Joe's got his cap on, but he's got it back to front. He's been a cool dude. He's gonna have to faster. Wait, <laughs> last one because you've got a scoping call in about twenty-two minutes now. So yep. this is the last one. So mindset ties in with the mental health piece as well. What do you do to cope with bad day? I know things at TCM are good, but I know the reality is we all have good and bad days. Some days are yeah. tough, some days are stressful, some days are pressurized. What, what do you do to cope, mate? And what would you give anyone listening who's who maybe struggling at the minute and feels a bit anxious or feels a bit stressed or feels like it's, it's getting... I think it's different for everybody. This is really unique timing and question. My wife and I had a chat about this last week because I was at a conference last week and I was very stressed, man. Like... I took, I put way too much on my plate. I was looking at my week and I was like, I don't have the slightest clue how I'm supposed to do this. You know what I did when I got there and I was setting my booth up, I walked around and I helped a bunch of other people set their booths up. And I felt so much better about my day. I felt so much better about my mentality and I cracked out of it immediately. And that to me, I told my wife, she's like, yeah, that makes sense because you feel better helping other people. And I had never thought about that's my medicine. Get out of my way don't worry about me right now and how things are like, let me go put my energy into helping someone else. Cause it's going to make me feel better. I think that the type of pain and mental anguish that you and I have seen a bunch of is from the folks that are, they can't get in. They can't, they've been working so hard. The OSCP and PNPT guy and can't get an interview. Right. I talk to these mm. people all the time. The mm. last 18 months of my recruiting career, that's all I talk to for the most part. Mm. And it is a very, tough thing to listen to over and over again and realize there's all these people out there that they wake up and feel hopeless more and more every day. I think if it comes to the cyber journey and you're really trying to get in, taking a step back and realizing you're trying to begin a very long career, you're trying to begin a very long journey. And if it takes a few extra months, if you're willing to walk away from that lengthy journey, that lifelong passion, if you're willing to walk away because it's hard in the beginning, it might not be the path for you. And You need to be okay with that too, because this is a field that needs battle-tested people and very gritty people and and very resilient people. And if you can have the mindset that I know this is taking longer and it sucks that this is taking this long, but I am absolutely going to do this. And you can chip away with things you and I talked about today, networking, making some connections, working on your resume, joining podcasts, commenting on LinkedIn, whatever it is, man. But you're doing something that makes you feel like you're in it. It's just everybody's dealing with different things. And because of that, 
if you are always ready to be empathetic and compassionate for other people first, they're going to feel welcomed into wanting to work with you. And you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to make relationships. You're going to yeah. make moments that people hold on to and go, Hey, listen, man, I was really down. I talked to this guy literally a couple weeks ago for my birthday. I said, I don't think you know this man, but years and years ago, you said one comment to me that completely shifted the way that I thought about needing oh. to hurry up to make money. And it made me realize like, I've got time to figure this out and I don't need to freak out. And it changed my life with one comment, but he opened himself up to be compassionate and be available for me. And I think that the more we do that for others, the more we will have opportunities to have that come to us naturally and people looking out for us that can help us get through those tough days. Joe, love it, mate. I think that's a good place to finish, buddy. And mate, thank you. This has been good, mate. We could have done, we could have done, we could have done a two hour show, right? I think. I'll just fly across the pond, man, and yeah, we'll sit down and yeah, have a, have a mate, live listen, show. Listen, we've, we've had a heat wave, mate. Uh, I always say when it's sunny in the UK, like we, we, the country just pretty much comes to a standstill, mate. I think I'd, the GDP of the UK probably halves when we, we have a heat wave. All the railway tracks out and, and the world just stops and we all drink loads of beer. We're just not geared up for it. But uh, heat wave's gone. Winter's come in. We're all back on the grind. So there you go. That's that, that's my analogy of the UK for you. So you, you know it all now. <laughs> yeah, we've been in America, people have gotten very accustomed to the air conditioner and the things that we don't yeah. realize not everybody has around the world. We don't. Yeah, we don't. Let's see, we're just not geared up for it, mate. But Joe, thank you, mate. Really enjoyed that. I'll see you soon, buddy. All right, man.